0: Okay, the uh, passage that we're looking at today is found in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 22 to 34. Just to remind you, uh, Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him, and he's identified a few uh, stumbling blocks uh, to doing that, uh, one of them being the fear of man. Uh, Last week we looked at the um, desire for riches. Uh, This week, he he deals with our, uh, our fear of not having enough to get by in life. So let's read Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart uh, there will your heart be also. Let's um, pray. Father in heaven, uh, please open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word, and please, Lord, uh, fill us with your spirit so that what we hear will become practice in our lives. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So in this passage, Jesus speaks to our anxiety about life. And therefore, it is a very relevant and very helpful passage, because all of us in this room, at one point or another, will struggle with anxiety about the things of life. I mean, there are many things that become occasions for anxiety, but Jesus is dealing with a particular one that is our anxiety over the the necessities of life. You know, food, clothing, uh, houses, uh, making ends meet. You know, Jesus is, is speaking here to our fixation on these sorts of things. Life's necessities. And if you look at verse 22, uh, Jesus, he begins by saying to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, and what that shows us is that what he is doing here, he's actually applying what he has just spoken about. Now, what has Jesus just spoken about? He's just told us a story about the rich fool. Remember the rich fool, that was the man who lived his entire life for wealth and, and pleasure, Uh, He gave no thought to God or to Judgment Day or to the eternity that he'd have to endure. He just lived for money, lived for pleasure, as if life was all about getting and spending it all on yourself. And God came to that man and said, you're a fool, Okay, because life is not about material possessions. Life is not about spending everything on yourself. Life is actually about getting right with God and living in a relationship with Him. And that was a very relevant message for us uh, who live in a materialistic culture today. We need to make sure that we're not living like that rich fool. We need to make sure that we are uh, are not laying up treasure for ourselves, but rather are rich toward God. That was the lesson uh, Jesus unpacked that we looked at last week. So don't be a fool. Don't miss out on the eternal riches of knowing God in Christ. Uh, Don't be so busy chasing after earthly riches that you miss the whole point of life. Uh, That was a warning for everyone. But then when you get to verse 22, Jesus then takes this one step further for his disciples. And uh, he basically says to them, not only are you not to waste your life chasing after riches... But you are not even to worry about your needs. You're not even to worry about your daily necessities. See, verse 22, he says to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. And then Jesus restates the point from last week. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Okay, so, so far, so good. Sounds all good. Until, of course, you're in a crisis. Until you're struggling to make ends meet. Then what happens? We get anxious. Now, we worry, how are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to keep my home? How am I going to pay the mortgage? How am I going to put food on the table? And when you are stressed out about the cost of living going up, which it is right now, has fuel ever been this high? No, see this war in Ukraine, for some reason, it means that the price of oil has gone up to a record high, that means ripple effect to everything else in life, you know, the cost of production, the cost of transport, uh, that means the cost of everything is going up. And families are stressing out. Add to that the talk of interest rates going up, which means the mortgage crunch. Now this massive mortgage now becomes a huge problem. How am I gonna pay it off? It's a very stressful time to live, uh, especially for those with huge debt. And so uh, we're in a time where, where a lot of people are stressing out, how am I just going to make ends meet? It's a cause for anxiety. And see, if you have struggled with anxiety before, or you are struggling with it now, you'll know that it's it's not something that goes away uh, easily. Uh, It can be very debilitating, and so to have someone come along and say to you, you know, stop worrying, or I tell you, do not be anxious, it it can come across as a little bit, you know, okay, it's fine for you to say, but I think you're a little bit ignorant of what I'm actually going through. But here's the thing: Jesus, when he says, "Do not be anxious," he's not like that. Jesus is not ignorant of what it's like to not have stuff. because when Jesus came into this world, he came in poverty. He says, "The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus knew what it was like. Uh, but more than that, Jesus, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that He's not what you expect. When he says, "Do not be anxious." It's not because he's offended by that. It's not a rebuke. It's actually an invitation. Jesus is inviting you in. He's saying, do not be anxious because I have something for you. I have something that's so wonderful that if you take hold of this, not only will that free you of anxiety, but it will actually free you for something. It will free you for life in the kingdom. And so we can unpack uh, this passage by uh, asking ourselves three questions. Okay, here's the three questions we all need to ask ourselves today. What am I trusting in? What am I seeking after? What is my real treasure? What am I trusting in? What am I seeking after? What is my real treasure? Let's look at those three questions. So, first, what are you trusting in? And so that's in verses 24 to 28. Jesus, he he gets us to really think, see the key word there, consider. He gets us to really think, what am I trusting in, in my life? What am I depending on? Or should I say, who am I depending on? Uh, And and Jesus, he gets that across with these two object lessons, the birds and the flowers. Uh, So first of all, in verse 24, he says, consider the ravens. Uh, Ravens don't sow or reap, they have no storehouse or barn, and yet God feeds them of how much more valuable are you than birds? Now, I'm not sure whether Jesus picked on ravens for any um, particular reason. Um, Ravens are not the the prettiest bird. Uh, They're certainly not the nicest to listen to. Just recently, um, I went camping, well, we all went camping at Falls Creek, and uh, we camped under this massive um, snow gum, and there was a raven's nest in that snow gum. And so there was this family of ravens. uh, the, The young had just left the nest probably I don't know, a month ago, I guess. Uh, So every morning, at the crack of dawn, uh, this family of ravens would be wandering around our tents with the little ones, crowing for food, and the mother would be walking around, picking up food, putting it in their mouth, and on and on it went. Now, I I can tell you, that's not the nicest sound to wake up to uh, in the morning. Uh, It's really quite annoying. And But I did notice that this family of ravens, they didn't have a fridge. Uh, They didn't have a pantry. And yet, they were eating. They seemed to be well looked after. Now, Jesus tells us it's because God, in his providence, feeds them. God feeds them. And Jesus is saying here, look, if God does that for those birds... (laughs) how much more will he look after you? How much more? Uh, Jesus says we're more valuable than birds. Um, And and there's a whole lot of theology in that statement. Uh, We are created in the image of God. We're made for this unique relationship with God. It's a relationship that was broken by Adam, but restored by the second Adam, by Jesus. And if you're in that relationship, you know God really cares for you. Much more than birds, and so Jesus is saying that when we really think about birds, that reminds us of the certainty of God's care for us. The certainty of God's care. We really have nothing to worry about. The second object lesson Jesus gets us to think very deeply about flowers. So, verse 27 Consider the lilies, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So it's the same reasoning as the birds. Uh, but this time Jesus is ensuring us not only of the, the certainty of God's care, but also the quality of his care. The quality of his care, and this is probably the thing that we worry about the most. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of us here, if there is the crunch on, um, you know, the cost of living and mortgage and all of that sort of thing, I'm pretty sure we're not actually stressing over, will I actually have something to eat, anything to eat, even if it's just plain rice in a bowl. I'm pretty sure we're not worried about that. We're worried about, will I be able to continue the lifestyle I have? Will I have the things I need or the things we think we need? And that's probably what we get most anxious about. We worry about the quality of our life. And we might even worry that if we have to fully rely on God, that maybe he's not, you know, as worried about the the attention to detail like we are. We might think that maybe what God will give us is just going to be cheap and nasty and uh, But Jesus, <laughs> what's he doing here? He's showing us God is concerned about attention to detail. Have you ever looked at a flower under a magnifying glass? Have you ever studied the detail in a flower? What does that tell you? God is so concerned about attention to detail. You know, you look at a flower and you see God is a God of extravagance and beauty, you know, because something that's so short-lived as a flower, he invests with so much splendor, so much splendor. It outshines any of the splendor that any human being can come up with. You know, no matter how rich you are, even Solomon himself could not outdo the splendor in a flower. And Jesus, he makes the point, if God puts that much effort into clothing, something that's so short-lived how much more will he clothe you, who lasts forever? And so Jesus is saying that birds and flowers, they are witness to God's care. If I can put it like this, the flowers, the birds, they're constantly singing this chorus, uh, the chorus that goes, All I have needed, your hand has provided, great is your faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So take a look around. Look at the birds, look, just open your eyes, look around, constantly being proclaimed, here's a God who cares. Look at the way God cares, which tells us that we really have nothing to worry about. We are in good hands. In fact, worry itself doesn't achieve anything. Did you notice that in between these two object lessons, Jesus he outlines the idea that um, worrying does nothing. Uh, worrying gets you nowhere. Uh, he, he says in verse 25, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If you then are not able to do uh, a small thing as that, then why are you anxious about the rest? Okay, and worrying does nothing. Do you know, when I was young, uh, my uncle owned a mini bike. And occasionally, we would go on family um, picnics out to Wandala State Forest, and my uncle would bring the minibike along so that all the kids could get to taking turns having a ride. Now I remember on this one occasion, uh, it was, I got to have the first go of the minibike, and so off I went, exploring the forest, having such a wonderful time. Uh, in fact, I was having so much fun that I delayed in returning the mini bike to my younger brother who was next in line. And eventually, my younger brother got so upset that I was taking so long. He got so angry that he went out on foot and found me and he chased me down. And he demanded that I give him the minibike. So I reluctantly handed it over to him, knowing full well that he didn't know how to put it into gear. And so poor old Samuel, he got on that mini bike, and he was revving the guts out of it. And wondering why is it not going anywhere, and he was just so exasperated. I can still remember the 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 anger in his face. Why is this bike not going anywhere? And do you know that's a look? It's it is a story about an older brother being selfish, but it's also a good picture of what worrying does. Worrying is like trying to get somewhere in neutral. There's lots of noise. There's lots of action. There's lots of smoke but it does nothing. It gets you nowhere at all. That's what worrying does. That's the point Jesus is making here. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? Worrying adds nothing. What it does do is it subtracts. It takes away. Worrying takes away your attention from what matters most. Worrying robs you of sleep. It ruins your health. Worrying really does nothing but ruin your life. Nobody gets to the end of their lives and go, you know, if only I worried more. (laughs) No one ever does that. Because it just ruins your life. But there's a deeper issue that our anxiety reveals. See, if God assures us of the certainty of His care, if He assures us of the quality of His care, then if we're anxious, what does that reveal? It reveals that in that moment that we're actually not trusting him. And that's why Jesus ends this section with that familiar saying, O you of little faith. See, that's the real problem with anxiety. That's what anxiety reveals when, when we don't have faith. We're not trusting the God who has told us and who proves I will provide. Do not worry. You can rely on me. Uh, see, anxiety, it's a window into the heart. It, it helps us to see that even though we say we're trusting God, that really we're trusting in something else. We're, we're trusting in ourselves. It actually, anxiety actually reveals that in that moment, we're still living like the rich fool. The rich fool who thought to himself, my wisdom my efforts, my storing. Okay, what I do, that's what will take care of me. That's what will keep me safe, what I do. And then when something threatens that, we get anxious. And so this is an issue of trust. That's why the question Jesus is getting us all here today to think about is what am I trusting? Or who am I trusting in? Am I trusting in myself Or am I trusting in the God who is the one who really provides? And so if you are anxious, if you're stressed about, really about anything, um, then here's what you need to do. You need to go home and get out your binoculars. You need to get out a magnifying glass and you need to go for a walk. And you need to watch some birds. You need to stare at a flower. And as you do that, you need to think about the God who created these wonderful creations. You need to look at them. And as you do that, talk to God about your worries. Talk to Him. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Okay? Talk. Will you trust Him? That's the first point. Okay. Second... We've asked, what am I trusting in? Second, though, what am I seeking after? What are you seeking after? And that's in verses 29 to 31. Jesus says, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So the key word here is seek. Seek. What does it mean to seek? Seek means go after it. Give everything to it. To seek something means you make it your number one priority in life. The thing that your life is all about. And Jesus says to his followers that you're not to seek the things of the world, however necessary they may be, That's not the priority of life. The priority of life for you is seek his kingdom. This is what your life is to be all about, God's kingdom. Now, what is God's kingdom? (coughs) God's kingdom is his rule on earth. God's kingdom is his rule on earth, and it's found in Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. Uh, He is the rightful king of this world, And so one day when Jesus returns, his kingdom will be the whole earth. But until that day, where is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is in Christ. And so if you belong to Christ, if Christ is your king, then you are part of God's kingdom. And Jesus says you are to seek that. Make that the number one priority in your life the thing that you seek after. Uh, it's really another way of saying, make the king your priority. Make serving Jesus number one. Following Jesus, that's the focus of life. And that's a very different way of thinking about life to you know, how we normally think of life. Uh, normally we think of life like what? I've got to get food, I've got to get clothes, I've got to get a house, I've got to get this, I've got to get that. That's normally the focus of life, and Jesus has to somehow fit into that. But this is a whole different way. This is saying, no, no, Jesus first. That's what my life is about. What about all those things that I've got to get? They're all taken care of. That's what verse 31 says. Seek the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. See, here's a whole new way of looking at life, a whole new approach. Seek the kingdom. Make it number one. And so now, now we can see why Jesus has spent so much time assuring us that God will provide our needs. He, he, he's taken all that time so that we can then focus on what life is really about. You know, He's, he's shifting our focus. All of the energy and the, the revving and the spending and all that, that all of that energy is now shifted to the king, the kingdom, and every all those things will be given to you. And see, to assure us that God really will supply our needs, notice how Jesus slips in in verse thirty that God is our Father. Okay, that your Father knows what you need, and so here we are back in the language of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. Give us our daily bread. Okay, He's a father. And I just want you to think about that for a little bit. If God is your father, will he look after you as you seek the kingdom? Of course he will. Now, Think about a good father. A good father will not neglect the needs of his children. A good father, he would sooner go hungry himself than to see his children starve. A good father would gladly hand over his coat if his child is cold. See, if you know that God is your father who loves you, he will provide you. What does that do? That frees you to seek after the kingdom. Okay, Jesus wants you to be free from anxiety about life, but not just so you can now have a comfortable life. He wants you to be free... So you can focus on the kingdom, knowing that your daily needs will be added to you. And nowhere is this idea better stated than in Romans 8, verse 32. Okay, if you want to know for certain that your heavenly father cares for you and will supply your needs, you can look nowhere better than Romans eight thirty-two, because here it says, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So here's the guarantee that the Father will care for you. Here's the ultimate object lesson. We've had the object lesson of the bird and the flower. Now we have the object lesson of the cross of Jesus. Because on the cross, the Father... It says, did not spare his own son. Instead, what did the father spare? He spared us. Okay, We should have been punished on the cross. We should have been cut out of God's kingdom. We should have been cast out into utter darkness. And yet on the cross, Jesus was. Why? So that we can be brought in. So that we can be embraced as God's children. The cross is how we become the children of God But the cross is also this guarantee that the Father loves you. The Father will not neglect you when you have a need. If he didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will He not also, along with him, give us all things, all that we need? It's guaranteed. And when you know that the Father has done that for you, then you gladly give your life to him. You gladly say, Jesus, you are number one. If you've done that for me, take my life. Let it be all yours. You seek his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Okay, so what are you trusting in? What are you seeking after? The third thing, and this one will be much shorter, what do you treasure most? What do you treasure most in life? Now, in verse 32, Jesus adds this comforting statement. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay, remember the kingdom, it's about belonging to Christ, it means to share in his life, his death, his resurrection, his eternal reign. To be in the kingdom means you're going to reign with Christ forever. That is the ultimate treasure. That's something money can't buy. That is the greatest gift. And it says it's your Father's good pleasure to give you that. Now, if you've received that, if you've you've received the kingdom, what difference would that make to your life? What transformation would you expect to see? If you've received the kingdom, if that's your true treasure, what difference will that make? Well, Jesus tells us in the last two verses. Here's the difference it will make. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So here Jesus is saying that if you're in the kingdom... That part of being in the kingdom and part of seeking the kingdom is to live a life of radical generosity. Giving. You you see someone in need, you give to that need. Uh, Generosity, it means investing in the work of the kingdom. You hear about a mission, you give. See, radical generosity. Jesus is saying that we are to live lives that are so generous that our generosity actually reflects the King of the kingdom who gave up his life. And uh, Jesus says, Be so generous that you would even sell some of your possessions in order to give. Now, who would do that? <laughs> who would sell their possessions so that they can give? Only someone who knows. That they have riches that can never be exhausted. Only those who know they have treasure stored up in a place where nothing can touch it, not even a moth can get his tongue onto it. Uh, If you've got the true treasure, the kingdom, okay, if you've got that, that frees you to give away earthly treasures without even feeling anxious. You know, all the things, all the earthly treasures, they don't matter anymore because I've got the true treasure, the kingdom. (laughs) Uh, So how do you know that the kingdom means more to you than anything else when you can give without feeling anxious? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about that. And so I ask, who are you trusting? What are you seeking? What do you value most? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this passage. We thank you, Father, for the uh, certainty that that it creates in our mind, that we are loved, that we are cared for, that when we look back over our lives and think about all the things that we've enjoyed, that we are reminded that they've all come from your hands and we can see that as we look back over life that you have provided for us so abundantly. And as we look into the future, Lord, and uh, it might be filled with many things that trouble our minds, but we have this promise that you will be with us, that you will provide for us, that we don't have to fear. And we thank you for the greatest provision, Lord, in in giving your son. How could we ever thank you enough for Jesus? We thank you for the kingdom that he has brought, the kingdom that we are part of, the kingdom that we will live in for all of eternity. And we pray, Lord, that that would be our greatest treasure so that all of the other treasures of life we would see not as the main thing, not as the focus, but to be used for the work of the kingdom. Make us generous people, Lord. Make us people who value most what you have given in the Lord Jesus so that we are free to live for him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.